Hi, I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, if you're not familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a podcast wherein myself and my co-host Kyle take turns introducing one another to films, and uh, in this way we help each other to catch up on our cinema. Um, today we're going to be doing something a little different, however. Uh, we have a monthly tradition on the show, uh, a little something we like to call Catching Up on Blu-ray, uh, and basically what that is, is uh, basically it's an episode where we sit down, we take a look at the upcoming physical media releases for the calendar month, and uh, we just say a little something about anything that jumps out at us. Uh, as you may have noticed, Kyle isn't present, uh, so it's just going to be you and me today. Uh, so hopefully it's not going to be too boring. Uh, more than likely, it's going to be a little quicker than usual. Um, also, apologies uh, for getting this episode out so late. Um, but we're going to do it anyway. So anyway, uh, if you're not familiar with uh, the physical media release schedule, traditionally uh, DVDs, Blu-rays, 4Ks, uh, they come out on Tuesdays. Um, so I'll make sure to make note of the release date for all the all the movies we'll be covering today. Uh, that being said, let's get started. Uh, first thing that jumps out at me, uh, and this would be for these would be the releases for September 3rd of 2019. Uh, Rambo from 2008 on 4K. Um, I really enjoyed that movie. Um, obviously, it's being put out um, to promote uh, Rambo Last Blood, which as of recording came out, I think, last week. Uh, I'm actually doing what I can to go out to the theater to see that because even though I, I, I know it's it's not going to be great, like just from the promotion, I, I know. And uh, I can't even remember who the, who directed it, but I can tell Rambo Last Blood is kind of a half-hearted effort. Um, but it needs to be said, uh, Rambo, or uh, John Rambo, I think, as it's known internationally uh, from 2008, is it's a solid movie. Um, it's a very different beast from, from any of the other Rambo movies. Uh, I mean, obviously, the, the thing that people remember most is the absolute brutality. Uh, holy shit, it's a violent movie. Um from beginning to end essentially i think the opening scene is where the the villagers are having to walk through the rice paddies with uh mines in them um but it, yeah it has a, a layer of reality that none of the other films really have um also it's kind of fascinating that it it uh, takes place in myanmar uh, burma um and i guess uh I, I remember like watching some of the behind the scenes materials but uh, i guess the guy who played the villain in the movie was actually like in an indigenous from from that region i believe and uh he was actually a little concerned about the politics surrounding the movie because uh apparently there were certain folks that if they if they caught wind of the fact that he was in that movie <laughs> would, would probably be very upset with him and could make his life very difficult um so it was kind of it was kind of fascinating to have that extra layer of detail in the story where it's like hey, yeah this is this is a thing that you know is happening and it, it's happening in a part of the world that doesn't really get a lot of news coverage so it's you know an attempt to to make it a message film but at the end of the day it's just a rip roar and action adventure um most of the action is isolated to the the conclusion of the film um but there's you know there's a couple of really violent awesome episodes that take place in the middle portion but um pretty much as soon as rambo gets on the 50 cal uh you're gonna have a good time um, I already own this movie on Blu-ray. Um, there is an extended cut, and I'm guessing that's on the 4K as well. I actually haven't looked into the details of it because it's not a movie that I, I need to own more than once. Uh, so it's not anything I'm going to be picking up, but, you know, cool that it's out on 4K. Um, beside that, we have Booksmart from uh, 2019. And uh, <laughs> I like to joke whenever I see the certified fresh emblem on the cover of a DVD or a Blu-ray. Uh, just because it it seems like a like a desperate ploy to get people to buy it because it's like I swear I swear it's good some pe some good people out there think it's good so I, you should buy it. Um, I actually heard this was a very very good movie. Um, it was kind of marketed as a uh, lady super bad I guess. Um, I don't think that's what it is as far as I can tell. But um, funny note is that it was actually directed by Olivia Wilde of all people. Um pretty talented actress in her own right i'm not sure if this is her first movie that she's directing but it got a lot of strong marketing and it seemed like 
kind of a cool movie. Um, I might red box that or something sometime. Um, beside that, we have a movie that um, I'm sorry, I just cannot give any fucks about. Um, Men in Black International, uh, starring Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson uh, from 2019. Also, that was that was one of those movies I saw a trailer for it, and I was just like, you know, I like Men in Black. Like Men in Black, the first Men in Black is is a amazing movie in so many ways in fact kyle and i were were just talking about the year 1997 uh not that long ago when we did our alien resurrection episode that was a hell of a release year for 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 movies in general but just like sci-fi was a it was a really big year for sci-fi and men in black was one of the big ones um two wasn't as good three was actually not awful but mostly forgettable. I can't really remember much of what happened in that, but this one, just the way it's marketed, uh, it just feels soulless. Um, funny enough, it's directed by F. Gary Gray, who, you know, has given us some some pretty good movies over the years, um, a wide range of movies, in fact. Mostly, mostly like, uh, I mean, the most recent one was Fate, Fate of the Furious, which, if you ask me, is kind of starting the downward trend, but... I mean, the Italian job wasn't that bad. The negotiator was pretty good. And, you know, everybody loves Friday. Um, yeah, I I'm probably won't bother with this movie at all, um, despite liking a lot of the people in it. Uh, I mean, I would love to see Liam Neeson punch an alien. That would make me very happy, but there's no promise of that being in there. I mean, look what happened with Battleship. Um I was saying from the from minute one when they were marketing Battleship, I was like, if this movie does not feature Liam Neeson looking to the heavens and yelling, you sunk my battleship, uh, then you are doing it wrong. And obviously they did it wrong. Um, so moving on, uh, <laughs> Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Um, a box set, the complete series, really, from 1969 to 1978. Uh I mean, I guess that's the complete series, the complete first iteration of the series. But as far as I understand, Scooby-Doo is still alive and well in some capacity. Uh, I've said it numerous times on the show. Uh, I was kind of disallowed from watching Scooby-Doo when I was young. I mean, I still did, but I just remember my little cousin uh, when we were at Blockbuster. My, we were uh, watching her for like the weekend or something, and we were going to rent a movie. My mom was like, oh, yeah, go pick out whatever you want. And my little cousin runs up with some Scooby-Doo movie. I think it was like the Alien Invader one or something, like from the early 2000s. And my mom said, you put that back. <laughs> and I was, I, just, I was old enough to notice that and just be like, what? And yeah, I guess my mom has a thing about Scooby-Doo. She doesn't like the way he talks. She thinks he's stupid and that, she, that he would make me stupid <laughs> just by being exposed to it. Um, just moving on, though. Uh, we have Ma, uh, again, from 2019, so a brand new release. Um, you know, the marketing for this movie was kind of fascinating to me. Like, it looked genuinely unsettling. Um, this is Octavia Spencer, who, you know, she, she, her face is front and center on the cover. Uh, this is like her, I guess, horror, she, start of maybe a horror franchise for her. But the way it was marketed was really kind of cool. Like, I, I like the idea of like a, an older person like trying to move in on a bunch of young people and making them uncomfortable. <laughs> um, I couldn't exactly tell what the nature of the horror was. Like if she's just a crazy person or she's a witch or, if, or if she's drugging people or something, I think it was the latter. Um, but it had an unsettling vibe to it. And it seemed like something that, you know, when we get into October, I might end up renting it. Uh, so moving on, we got the third season of True Detective uh, on Blu-ray. Uh, Kyle, I know, actually has been following the True Detective series. Um, I don't know if he's up to date to the point that he's seen the third season. Um, but I've heard it's a great show, although there was a bit of a stumble in the second season. Uh, I might end up watching that series at some point because I've, I've heard a lot of good things from a lot of a lot of people that I they're opinions mean something to me uh beside that we have nightmare cinema from 2018 that that is a cover that jumps out at you it's like a for folks that have that don't have access to the cover right now uh it's it's like a rotten faced man and uh with horns and uh claws 
and uh looks like looks like it almost looks like it's a folded poster that's been shrunk down to to blu-ray size and uh <laughs> i remember seeing some of the promotional images for this movie it had mickey rourke with a really bad wig <laughs> um i think i think uh mick garris was involved in this and mick garris like i can't think of a single movie of his that like really jumps out at me as like a work of art but he has a podcast um where he he gets together a lot of uh like icons in the horror industry and just kind of like he's he's kind of like the 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 jerry like he's he's the glue that holds everyone together in like a social capacity uh, so he's a he's a force for good in the world of uh, horror cinema, and I think this is an anthology film. Um, I'm not sure if it's any good, but I do remember seeing some advertisements for it on some pretty low key websites. But I don't know. I might give that a watch at some point. Uh, moving on down, we have a Dog Tooth from 2009. This is a Kino release. Um, typically, they put out works of quality. Um, there's a certain podcast that both Kyle and I listen to on the regular that makes mention of this quite often. Um, it has a reputation, um, but it needs to be said. It's directed by Yorgos Lanthimos, uh, who I don't know if he won the Oscar last year, but I think he was up for it. Um, he was the fellow that I think he gave us the f- favorite. Oh, yeah, yeah, he did. And uh, Kyle said uh, Killing of the Sacred Deer. Yeah, Killing of the Sacred Deer was a... Uh, was provocative i don't know if it was good but it was it was something that he seemed to be pleased that he watched and then of course uh we ended up watching the the lobster for an episode that we we decided to bury (laughs) but um i don't know that that's something that i don't know anything about dogtooth but based on the director's pedigree and uh and the fact that it's it's yeah i'm gonna pause here and edit this out I don't know. I might check it out someday. <coughs> uh, so moving on here, we got a um, first Criterion release of the of the month, uh, Fists in the Pocket. Um, this appears to be an Italian film uh, from 1965, directed by Marco Belloccio. Uh, Description reads, tormented by twisted desires, a young man takes drastic measures to rid his grotesquely dysfunctional family of its various afflictions. Um, damn, that sounds intense. Uh, and if it's a criterion, obviously he did something right. Uh, we got a whole bunch of anime. Uh, Into the Ashes. This looks like direct-to-video crap. Um, let's take a closer look. Um, so on the cover here, we have a bunch of, we have a bunch of names listed, but I only recognize two of them. So there are four names listed here. Luke Grimes and Robert Taylor don't mean anything to me. However, James Badge Dale and Frank Grillo. Uh, I like both of them. Um, no idea what this movie is, but just based on the cover, uh, I can tell it's crap. Um, but it might be my kind of crap. Who knows? <laughs> uh, Holy shit, Jean Reno, uh, Cold Blood, 2019. Uh, Jean Reno and Sarah Lund. Um, kind of a nondescript cover, just Jean Reno in a beanie holding a pistol in the snow. Uh, not a whole lot to say about that, but just the novelty of seeing him in a movie in 2019 kind of makes me smile. Uh, what is this Darlin uh, from 2019? A film written and directed by Pollyanna McIntosh. A horror-infused coming of infused uh, coming of age tale. Looks like it says a direct sequel to 2011's *The Woman*, uh, another movie that unfortunately I'm not familiar with. Uh, this might be one I have to bring to uh, Kyle's attention though, because it pretty striking cover, and uh, they have a lot of indie festival icons on the bottom uh, of the cover. So probably probably good in the artistic sense, but doesn't appear to be a crowd pleaser <laughs> um uh, more anime uh sorry um anime tends to uh be the majority of physical media releases these days uh so if i end up skipping over a lot of it it's just because there's so much of it and unfortunately i'm not terribly well versed on the in the world of a uh, like 21st century anime 
I know stuff from like the 80s through the early 2000s and that that's kind of the end of it for me uh And yeah, that appears to be the end of the releases for September 3rd. So let's keep on moving down to the next week. Uh, September 10th. Uh, this is a this is a big week for uh, physical media releases. The biggest one, obviously, John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. Uh, we did a theatrical edition review for this movie. Uh, so we, we won't be doing any more material on it, but... Uh, I was very happy with John Wick 3. Uh, the only thing that bothered me, and this is a bit of a spoiler alert, uh, is that the the plot that I have constructed in my head for you know, the inevitable John Wick 4 uh, is essentially the, the plot I was expecting for this one. So it, it is a bit of like a treading water uh, situation in terms of plot progression. But, I mean, at the end of the day, the reason why you watch these movies, at least the reason I watch them, is for just the spectacle of the action. Um, I, am, I am a man who greatly appreciates uh, stunt work in any capacity. Um, I'm that guy who, who points to people in the background and, and says, hey, I love, I love the way that guy took that kick. And more often than not, I, I know the name of that guy. Um, like, for instance, Tiger Chen. Uh, who is by no means a, a household name. Uh, he shows up in John Wick 3 and gets a tasty fucking death <laughs> um, during the uh, the knife fight sequence. And part like there's a, a running gag through the John Wick movies where it's like, not only is the director a, like a, a former stunt double for Keanu Reeves, um, like half of the more than half the cast like 80 percent of the major players in these movies are seem to be connected to keanu in some capacity in such a way that you could assume that they're, it's they're doing favors like like they're doing casting and keanu's like oh yeah i know a guy that he, he takes falls really well so like we should put him in the scene and then i'll stab him in the eye and buy him a motorcycle afterwards <laughs> And it's just really great seeing all these these connections where it's like, oh, yeah, I remember when they punched each other before, like in the first John Wick, like Daniel Bernhardt, uh, who since that first John Wick movie has gone on to to stand next to some of the, the biggest actors in in current age cinema. Um, this is a guy who is doing stuff that was on Mystery Science Theater. Like he's a guy that the movies of his that I own that are on my shelf consist of like Bloodsport two through four. He's not a big name, but he kicks good, and he's a stunt coordinator now. And fuck, I even saw him on the set of Creed 2 helping out with the boxing scenes. He went places, even though he's probably like 50 by now. But yeah, uh, he was in The Matrix Reloaded as an agent, and he and Keanu in the, in the opening of that movie had a fight scene, and then he had a fight scene with uh, Lawrence Fishburne later on in the same movie. And then, you know, more than a decade later, probably two decades later, he ends up yeah, like a decade later, he ends up fighting Keanu again in John Wick. Uh, so these movies bring bring some familiar faces to the fore, and it's really great to, to see all these people who generally don't get that kind of exposure finally get it in some capacity. And I'm um, really excited for John Wick 4 because like, I already have a plot in my head as to how it's going to go down. Basically, John Wick is going to make an Avengers of John Wick characters, so like Common's going to come back and team up with him. Ruby Rose is probably going to come back and team up with him. Uh, Yaya Ruhian and Sisep Arif Rahman, I think. Uh, the, the guys from the Raid movies. Uh, they, they didn't die at the end of John Wick 3, so obviously they'll come back on his side too, and then we'll get, you know, the equivalent of the Avengers for John Wick. Uh, that being said, I should probably I should probably stop stroking John Wick and move on. Um, I already I already bought this by the way a few weeks ago. <laughs> uh, the 4K, not just the Blu-ray. Um, moving on though, we got uh, Casino on 4K. Uh, I'm not sure if this is the first time it's on 4K. I assume it is. Um, obviously, this is a Martin Scorsese classic, although not the most classic of Scorsese classics, to be honest. Um, I've always had some problems with this movie, mostly mostly due to the, the Sharon Stone and Robert De Niro bits. Um, holy shit, the, the, 
the family drama aspect of the story gets really uncomfortable and stays uncomfortable for what like three hours um it's difficult to watch at times it's not as thoroughly enjoyable i guess from front to back as say like goodfellas um but i mean fuck it's it's scorsese with with his favorite guys to work with it's obviously worth your time um can't help but think that part of the reason this is coming out when it is is probably to promote that uh that new netflix movie uh that scorsese's doing the the irishman um but yeah uh, this is not something i'll probably end up owning but you know scorsese movies despite being very long are immensely watchable and I, i would count casino among among his most watchable movies <coughs> and alongside casino we have aladdin uh, from 1992 the animated disney film uh and the 2019 live action aladdin uh both on 4k um the animated Aladdin was was a big fucking deal. Um, obviously, I enjoyed it. Uh, if Kyle was here, he'd probably have a lot to say about Robin Williams's inclusion in that film. Uh, kind of pivotal moment in in a lot of our childhoods and a lot of of you know our relative age group. Um, I actually haven't seen the uh, twenty nineteen Aladdin, nor do I really plan on seeing it. Uh, I know it's directed by Guy Ritchie, who. Uh, some people are really high on like I haven't seen enough of his movies to really know if I really like his style or not um, but he was kind of an unconventional choice uh, yeah it's not something I'll probably bother with but you know it is what it is every every generation needs its needs its thing and I guess the live-action Disney movies are the current thing um, Along with that, though, we have uh, the Shaun of the Dead, uh, Hot Fuzz, and the World's End trilogy, all on 4K. So this would be the Cornetto trilogy. Um, I have seen exactly one of these movies. Um, these would all be directed by Edgar Wright, of course. Um, and I, the only one I've seen is Hot Fuzz. And I think Kyle would very much like for me to catch up on the other two, because uh, I, know, I know he enjoys... I know he enjoys Shaun of the Dead big time, but um, I was really happy with Hot Fuzz. I really enjoyed it. Um, so maybe I'll get around to watching the other two at some point. Um, additionally, we have Ratatouille coming out on 4K, as well as Finding Dory and Finding Nemo. Uh, Disney's cranking them out, I guess. <laughs> uh, but sandwiched between all that, uh, we have Jim Jarmusch's The Dead Don't Die from 2019. And uh, just taking a glance at the cover for this... Uh, you can tell the tone is a little difficult to pin down. Uh, it has a very friendly font to it, but I mean, it has a rotting zombie hand coming out of the gra- out of the ground in the center of the frame. Um, so it's like, huh, is this going to be a fun zombie movie? And even the tagline, the greatest zombie cast ever disassembled. It's like I really don't know what to make of that. And even the uh, even the marketing for the movie kind of had a kind of a funky vibe to it. Um, Jim Jarmusch is a director I'm not terribly well versed in, um, but I know he's very well respected. Though, uh, funny enough, the movie that Kyle always cites is like the movie he knows best of his filmography is a Coffee and Cigarettes, um, which does not seem like a starting point for somebody who would go on to do a a goofy zombie movie. <laughs> um, also, there's a movie from the mid '90s called Dead Man, uh, starring Johnny Depp that. Uh, I've been trying to get Kyle to watch for a long time. I haven't seen it, um, but Kyle told me a story a long time ago about like a friend of his had a poster for it, and I know the poster, like I know the cover of that movie, and it's it's very striking. And again, Jim Jarmusch is one of those directors that the name means something. Um, I don't know what that something is, uh, but perhaps someday I'll take a deep dive into his filmography and actually find out. Uh, moving on, we got Lockup. Uh, Stallone, Sylvester Stallone from 1989. Um, this is not one of his movies I have seen, but this is kind of when his career was starting to get kind of rough around the edges. Uh, the hits weren't exactly coming on the regular. Um, who directed this? Because unfortunately, there's a thing with a, a lot of Stallone's movies from the 80s uh, and even the late 70s, to be honest. Uh, 
where the man just could not get out of his own way. Um, there are far too many stories of him uh, kind of being a set diva and making things difficult for everyone. Um, Nighthawks is Nighthawks and Cobra are two movies that it it's painful to read about it because I can see a good movie in both of those movies, but um, all signs point to Stallone having botched the production in some fashion, uh, either by insisting on edits that didn't exactly pan out well for the narrative of the film. Like Nighthawks uh, famously was supposed to have Rutger Hauer and Stallone have about equal screen time, uh, thereby making the villain and the hero of the film kind of like equally fleshed out to the audience. Um, but due to Stallone apparently uh, taking umbrage with that, uh, they ended up cutting out tons of footage of Rutger Hauer and it results in kind of a flat movie. Um, and then uh, Cobra historically like uh, had tons of violence cut out of it to the point that uh, the narrative is basically incoherent uh, with the with the movie that we end up got it, uh, getting. And uh, to the point that I would I would very very much love to see like a I don't know a producer's cut or something of of Cobra someday. But uh, it was recently re-released on Blu-ray like within the past year, and unfortunately it didn't have anything like that. Uh, so it seems it seems unlikely at this point. But yeah, Lock Up is a movie I do not know. Um, it was directed by John Flynn, by the way, who. Uh, who directed Brain Scan, um, but he did Out for Justice, um, the Steven Seagal movie, um, and, a, and a handful of like thrillers from the 70s and 80s. So he, he's he's done some good. Brain Scan ain't it, though. <laughs> um, but Lock Up is not a movie that's on my 2C list, uh, nor do I nor do I think that'll ever change in the future. So it's, it's kind of weird that it's coming out on 4K, though. Um, again, though, probably to... In a, in a very flimsy attempt to uh, promote Rambo Last Blood. Um, Daybreakers from 2009 on 4K. Uh, that's kind of surprising. Uh, I don't know that this movie resonated with anyone in particular, but I remember the promotion for it. Um, it seemed like a novel concept, and we are all about vampires and shit in the late 2000s. Um, so, I don't know. It's It's not a movie that means anything to me, but Apparently, somebody cared enough to put on a 4K disc. Ooh, Blood from the Mummy's Tomb, 1971. Uh, this is a Shout Factory release, so you know it's schlock. Um, just the cover of this. I'm not going to read the description or anything, but uh, yeah, the cover of this, uh, I might have to show it to Kyle because he'd probably get a kick out of it. <laughs> um, we got... Six movie paranormal activity collection. Holy shit, they made six of those. I've only seen the first one, but Kyle told me the second one was pretty good. Um, beside that, we have another Criterion release, uh, The Cloud Cap Star uh, from 1960. It's a pretty handsome cover. Uh, the Jurassic World uh, five movie 4K collection. Um, uh, it needs to be said, uh, only a couple weeks ago, they had that short film, uh, Battle at Big Rock, directed by uh, Colin Trevorrow, who famously, uh, I think, he didn't get removed from Jurassic World, but like he, he kind of shot himself in the foot because he, he went off and he did a, a different movie. Um, he was in line, I think, to do one of the Star Wars movies, but he his career kind of hit a wall for a minute there. But it looks like they're bringing him back into the fold. <laughs> Because um, I'm pretty sure Universal has not forgotten how much money Jurassic World made. Um, but it seems like they're ramping up promotion for Jurassic World 3. Because, I mean, they just had those recent casting announcements about Sam Neill and Laura Dern and Jeff Goldblum all coming back. Um, to me, <laughs> that that's, that just screams desperation. It's like, hey, let's bring back all the old folks, that all the familiar faces, and hope that they give a shit when they're on the set. It's like... They're probably not going to, but you know somebody, somebody's going to go see the movie just because of the the casting. But um, as far as I know, uh, the first Jurassic World has yet to be released on 4K, so this might be the first instance of it being put on a 4K disc. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but I seem to remember something like that. Um, so that's cool. Jurassic Park box set can't go wrong with that. 
Um, we have a whole bunch of re-releases of older films. Uh, Reap the Wild Wind from 1942. That is a cover. There's a <laughs> big old octopus. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, the Juniper Tree from 1990. Uh, that's a handsome cover. It's just a kind of sad-looking lady. Starring Bjork. Uh, yeah, Bjork's a sad-looking lady. <laughs> um, Howard the Duck on a 4K. From 1986. Holy shit. This is an FYE exclusive. Um, I was not aware that FYE was still in existence. But, uh, you know, good for them. Uh, <laughs> oh, and we also have King Kong versus Godzilla. From 1962, uh, also an FYE exclusive, uh, based on the cover art for this, um, I can assume that this is the same disc that was printed like five, six years ago. Um, I don't know why you would waste your money with this. Um, as far as I, the, the previous iteration of this disc was exclusively the American cut of the movie, um, which like the first Godzilla movie, uh, has a bunch of additional scenes with white people, <laughs> white American actors, and uh, is exclusively dubbed. So there's no subtitled version on the disc that you can get now. Um, funny enough, uh, King Kong vs. Godzilla has never been one of my favorite Godzilla movies. However, uh, that Criterion box set, which is coming out, I believe, in October, um, will be the first instance in which... Uh, the true Japanese cut of the film, which again does feature additional sequences, like even monster fighting sequences, like the the famous bit where King Kong is spinning Godzilla by the tail. I don't know that that was in the American version. And then obviously it cuts out all the American actors and stuff, but the Criterion box set is going to be the first time the Japanese cut of the film will be released outside of Japan, uh, which is a big fucking deal and provides... A lot of incentive for someone like me who really fucking loves Godzilla uh, to pony up the cash for that big old box set. Um, and I just might do that um, because I've always wanted to see the Japanese version of that movie um, and know uh, the end of the movie in the Japanese version is not that Godzilla wins. Uh, I think the only difference is that you hear Godzilla's roar over the Owari uh, sign, like the, the end of the movie. Um, so no, there is not a completely different ending where it's like, oh, in the American version, King Kong wins, but in the Japanese one, Godzilla wins. That's, that's like kind of cool. Like, no, it's not like that. Uh, Kong wins either way, or at least nobody, nobody loses. It's, it's like uh, Freddy versus Jason. It's like, yeah, Jason won the fight, but Freddy winks at the camera at the end. So it's the, everybody wins. <laughs> um, moving on, we got Armstrong. So this is the other Neil Armstrong movie. Um, I think this might be a documentary. Um, at least I hope it is, because that First Man movie probably came out around the same time, and I heard that was excellent. Um, so that would be another space adventure movie, although I think it's a documentary. The description didn't list it as such. Um Oh my God! There are so many Disney re-releases. Uh, there's like a whole chunk of this page that I have I have to just skip. Um, and then yeah, the the rest of the releases for September 10th, I believe, are just nothing but re-releases of stuff that's already been out. Like even random shit like The Great Wall from 2016. Um, oh, what is this? Arctic from 2019. Holy shit, this looks like it was printed in someone's garage. Um, that cover art is pixelated to the extreme. <laughs> um, wow. Arctic 2019, directed by Tom Bachi Skowronski. Uh, description, a comic book obsessed serial killer teaches his son how to get away with a series of brutal murders until the boy befriends a mysterious man who threatens to expose everything. Um, yeah, this looks like an indie, like not indie as in like classy indie, but just like a movie made with, uh, financing from the locals, <laughs> like just like neighbors, friends, and family. 
Um, seventy-eight minutes. Damn. Uh, Kyle would Kyle would be happy with that. Kyle likes him a a breezy film. He can't stand overly long films. Um, so let's bounce on down to September seventeenth. And uh, first big release we got is a uh, X Men Dark Phoenix uh, on four K. Um, huh. That's funny. They restored uh, the X Men to the to the title. Um, the theatrical uh, promotion and the theatrical cut of the film. Um, had the title as just Dark Phoenix. Um, I always thought that was really strange. I don't know if that had anything to do with the Disney deal or anything, but I always thought it was really strange that the movie was actually just titled Dark Phoenix. Um, that seemed like a big gamble. It's like, don't you want to flex flex the X-Men branding? Like, if I was marketing this film, obviously I'd want to make it known this is an X-Men movie because obviously that's a big that's a brand that people can latch on to. Um, I rented this movie, uh, pretty much like a week after it came out on physical media. Um, I didn't think it was that bad, to be honest. Um, it has a very bad reputation. It got some pretty awful reviews. Um, I thought it was quite a bit better than Apocalypse, but that's not saying anything. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was like the, the best phrase I heard to describe it is, um, it's totally consistent. Um, it's it's the it's the dark, depressing X Men movie, and they kind of do a good job of committing to that. It's admirable in a lot of ways because that's not something you see in superhero movies all that often. Because um, sometimes I'm critical of like Marvel movies for being trying to be everything to everyone, like within a two hour runtime. But this one was like, no, it's like this is the story we're telling, and we're gonna go through with it. Um, and it needs to be said that train sequence at the end is quite good. Um, it does feel like it belongs in a different movie because it does kind of come out of nowhere. And apparently it was all reshoots um, because apparently the conclusion of the film was actually supposed to take place in space. <laughs> um, but for reshoots, uh, it looks pretty fucking good. Um, you can tell they, they brought in some good choreographers. Uh, the set feels very claustrophobic. Um but they made very good use of the characters and their abilities. And uh, they even do some like pro wrestling style, like on the fly storytelling with the, with the physicality of the performances. Um, in theory, I liked what they were trying to do with Nightcrawler. Um, but in execution, I, <laughs> man, I don't know if that kid like didn't attend rehearsals or whatever, but um, he was stiff as fuck. Like he was not selling the moves. They really needed to have a double for him. Just do everything. Because uh, there's a couple of sequences in there where it's just like, uh, you're supposed to be like an acrobat, right? <laughs> and he's like barely bending his, his spine. It's like, come on, man. Like, you can't be that stiff. You're young. At least I think you're young. Um, But yeah, I thought Dark Phoenix wasn't that bad. In fact, I would, you know, if I feel like if you're at all attached to the X-Men franchise, like if you've been following the movies, there's no reason why you shouldn't watch it. It's a good time. Um. Beside that, we have all all the Batman movies on 4K. Um, they've been labeling 2019 like uh, what 80 years of Batman. Um, so Warner Brothers and DC have really been pushing that. In fact, I skipped over a box set earlier uh, on the release calendar. There was just a a big box of Batman. Um, and now that Joker movie's coming out in October, so uh, the train keeps rolling, I guess. Uh, moving on down, we got uh, The Hills Have Eyes Part 2 from 1985. That would be an Arrow release. Uh, I have not seen um, the original Hills Have Eyes. I think I saw the first remake, um, and it was largely forgettable. But um, first movie, at least, is kind of a kind of a classic of the genre, uh, something I might end up watching at some point. Beside that, we have a Criterion release of uh, John Waters's polyester um i've heard good things about this and john waters is a director that comes up in conversation a lot between kyle and i um so this is one that maybe maybe he'll pull the trigger on who knows um beside that we have another arrow release uh, who saw her die from 1972 um decent decent cover there looks like potentially a jalo movie um galaxy quest on <laughs> Galaxy Quest 20th Anniversary Edition. Never Give Up, Never Surrender Edition. Um, funny enough, this movie came up in conversation only a few days ago between Kyle and I. Um, 
we both really like it. Um, I think it's a great time, and it was really funny because uh, when I first saw it, I I knew nothing about Star Trek. Um, but these days, I know quite a bit about Star Trek, and uh, I think I might even appreciate it more now. Um, we got a Popeye collection. Um, we got a movie called Guns uh, from 1990. Looks like Jay Leno on the cover. It's, it's not, but it's an Andy Sidaris movie. Um, and if you know anything about him, uh, I believe he's the uh, hard ticket to Hawaii guy, or at least like a, a close cousin to the hard ticket to Hawaii guy. Um, basically, he makes softcore porn with guns. Uh, so violent violent action movies that double a softcore porn. Um, had a very uncomfortable viewing experience of Hard Ticket to Hawaii with some friends where we end up having to fast forward all the, the softcore bits because it's like, you know, the, maybe on my own time, but not not when I'm in a room with a bunch of dudes and we're in high school. <laughs> um, but there, there's a market for, for that kind of schlock these days. Um, a lot of shit movies are getting put out on Blu-ray because there is somebody out there who, who will love it. Um and funny enough, beside that, we have a Criterion release from 1946, Clooney Brown. Um, actually not really digging the cover, um, but the description here is a free-spirited parlor maid and a Czech refugee surprise an English village with their unconventional ways. Um, not going to lie, that does nothing for me. Um, but again, Criterion, definitely a reason it's getting a re-release. Uh, so moving on down, uh, we got The Case of Hannah and Alice uh, from 2015. This is a Japanese animated film. Um, I don't know if it's a good one, um, but something tells me it is, being as it's being released in 2019, uh, even though it was originally made in 2015. Um, the Velocipaster from 2018. Uh, this is one of those movies that every online critic was you know lined up around the block uh to to make a review for like the instant it came out because if you look at the cover and you read the title it's like yeah this this has like a sharknado vibe to it so like all all the internet critics out there are always on the hunt for the next great bad movie um i don't believe this is it but i'm sure a lot of people saw it at the red box and rented it just for uh the quote unquote lols Uh, on the next row here, uh, we have a movie that I I remember seeing the promotion for uh, when it originally came out in China, um, and I immediately decided I did not need this in my life. Um, it's called Kung Fu League, um, from 2018. Uh, it has a decent cast to it. Um, it's as far as I can tell, it's supposed to be like the Avengers for Chinese martial artists uh, throughout history. Uh, so we have Vincent Zhao. Uh, who famously, if I believe, if I believe him correct here, um, he was supposed to be the Andy Own character from Special ID, um, but then he and Donnie Yen got into a tiff on the set, and he ended up pulling out of the production. So Donnie Yen brought in like Ken Lo and uh, Colin Cho and Andy Own to replace him. Um, Vincent Zhao is like one of those uh, prolific martial artists in Chinese cinema that's like. I feel like I feel like he he has butt heads with a lot of people over the years and I don't expect we'll ever see him and Donnie Yen square off cuz they're both getting older and it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen at this point. Um but Andy Owen funny enough is actually in this movie. And uh basically like I said it's supposed to be like all the big name historical martial artists in in China um somehow come together i think in modern times the the promotion for it made it very very difficult to tell but everything about the trailers told me this movie was cheap and not very well thought out and you know i love i love martial arts movies they're my it's my favorite genre of movie um but i just could not be bothered with this um so i'm probably just not gonna bother with it maybe i'll look up the highlights on youtube or something but uh, for someone who owns dozens of, of martial arts action movies, um, 
it's just not something I can bother with. Um, Lust of the Dead Trash Terror Trilogy. Uh, that's quite the cover. Um, probably Japanese. <laughs> uh, I don't know anything about what that is, but the cover definitely jumps out at you. Uh, Phoenix, the Perfect Collection, two thousand four. Um, this is a. I think this is a Tesco Osamu. Uh, Japanese animated collection. Um, not one that I've seen, but it's an oldie as far as I know. Um, Initial D. Uh, they made a trilogy of uh, Initial D uh, animated movies. Um, I think they basically summarized the same story that was that was portrayed in the the animation, like the TV series a while back. Um, I might actually watch these. <laughs> um, I, I'm a I'm actually a fan of the Berserk. Uh, golden age arc movies um i thought they did a good enough job with you know the limited runtime that they had trying to you know squeeze down that much story into three movies um and initial d is not an anime that i watched um but that arcade game i watched my friends play that like every fucking weekend for years <laughs> and you know the 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 soundtrack the eurobeat music um it it's been on every mp3 player and every ipod every phone that i've had um so initial d has been like a massive influence on me as a person without me ever having experienced it firsthand um so maybe maybe these movies will be how i go about actually checking it out um oh above the shadows from 2019 um i think i saw this available on like amazon prime or something and i saw the tiny thumbnail for it and my first reaction was is that jim gaffigan and it was that is jim gaffigan <laughs> it's like and tito oh shit tito ortiz and megan fox in some sort of some sort of supernatural mma drama i don't i can't make heads or tails of that but just the fact that i saw jim gaffigan on the cover for this <laughs> i was like what the fuck is this um, obviously I'm not going to watch it, but it caught my eye. Um, to hell and back the Kane Hodder story. Holy shit. Uh, so this is a Blu-ray. Uh, it's a documentary. Uh, if you're not familiar, Kane Hodder is a, well, he was a stunt man, but, um, most famously he played, uh, Jason Voorhees. Um, I think from, I want to say the seventh one onward, um, he he's famous for being like the the best jason um he's he actually like has an acting method that he brings to the table when he's when he's playing a you know pissed off fucker in a mask <laughs> um famously kane harder was immolated i think on the set of a production uh, he was he was horribly burned um from like head to toe um so apparently he has a pretty cool life story, and it's one that I would very much like to to experience. Um, so this documentary from 2017, I will very likely check this out. Um, that's cool. I'm just glad that that exists. Um, moving on down, though, uh, I think that's it for that week's releases. So let's move on to September... Well, just before we get to September 24th, um, I would very much like to point out that Gunsmith Cats is getting a uh, box a box set, so the entire OVA collection in one box, on a September 23rd. Uh, that's worth your money, <laughs> um, for sure. Um, I think that that is it. Yeah, it's an Anime Ego uh, production. Um, these folks, uh, every disc that they print is kind of a work of art. Like, they, they love their products. Um and I'm sure there's all sorts of goodies that get put in the box, too. Um, I'm getting that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm surprised I haven't gotten it already. Um, but the, the actual release date um, for that week is September 24th. Um, oddly enough, the first one that jumps out at me is uh, Stephen King's The Stand from 1994. So this would be the, uh, the TV miniseries. I think it was a two-parter. Um, <laughs> the only person I remember in it was uh, Rob Lowe. Uh, I saw this. I mean, I had a childhood. Uh, I watched all the Stephen King shit. Um, and The Stand was one of those things. That I remember my mom telling me that, you know, that wasn't bad, but that wasn't the book. Um, 
And I remember trying to read that gigantic fucking book when I was young and I just never finished it. Um, but like almost every Stephen King story, uh, the opening of it, the, the Captain Trips chunk of it where the humanity is wiped out essentially by a virus, uh, that was really fucking good. Um, so I've, I've never actually read the book front to back. I think I got a good quarter of the way in before I gave up when I was young. But um, I know we're taking another stab at the stand. I, I can't remember if it's going to be a series or a series of movies, um, but I know it's in production currently. Um, and obviously Stephen King is very much in vogue with the, uh, success of like shit like Stranger Things and now the, the it movies, um, Stephen King's hotter, like as hot as he's ever been. Um, it's kind of amazing, but, um, yeah, uh, everything old is new again. <laughs> um, beside that, we have a collector's edition of John Carpenter's Vampires from 1998. Uh, I saw that when it first came out and I mostly forgot it. Um, mostly I just remember uh, Daniel Bar- Daniel Baldwin looking very greasy and tired and uh, James Woods being an asshole, obviously. And I seem to remember there being kind of a cool trick they'd do where they'd like corner vampires in houses and then like shoot a stake harpoon into them and then dr- drag them via like a winch out into the sunlight to kill them. And I was like, that's kind of cool. <laughs> And also the sequel stars John Bon Jovi, if I remember right. Um, not not one of John Carpenter's most loved movies, for sure. Um, the 90s were not terribly kind to him, as far as I remember, but I would rewatch that. Um, there are other movies in his filmography I'd be more eager to see. Um, highest on my list right now is Prince of Darkness. I've never seen it, and I, I God, I need to see it. Um, but yeah, Vampires, I'd, I'd watch again. I wouldn't buy it, though. Um, beside that, we have the 2019 Child's Play, uh, starring Aubrey Plaza and uh, famously Mark Hamill as the voice of the Chucky doll. Um, this looked really bad. <laughs> uh, the The trailers for it looked really bad to me. Um, I really hated the idea of uh, the Chucky doll having like dimin- like having a uh, like Google Home powers, basically, like having dominion over other like electronic equipment and stuff uh, like that just sounds like an extra layer to things that we really don't need why why can't it just be fucking voodoo man why can't we just have fucking voodoo um child's play is a series that doesn't mean a whole lot to me um i like the first two uh the first one is it's grim it's grim and gritty in in kind of the same way that like the candy man is or the thing the thing that always jumped out at me about Candyman was that that neighborhood, like that apartment complex, that tenement building, always seemed scarier than the Candyman himself. Um, and that was really striking. It's like, holy shit, like this is a this is a movie about a supernatural slasher type character, and yet somehow just the the environment like the everyday environment that this place takes that this story takes place in is is more terrifying than that character. And Child's Play has a bit of that vibe where it's like, this is a rough neighborhood. This does not seem like a friendly world that this movie takes place in. Um, second one is just goofy horse shit. Um, some of the, the the violence isn't like horrifying or anything, but they really take it to an extreme that's just wonderful. Like by the time you get to the end of that movie and like Chucky's like compacted into a, a plastic what's it and covered in goo and still crawling around... It's like, okay, this is getting nuts. I love it. And also, I think I remember like a scene in the beginning where a guy gets doll eyes plugged it, plugged into his eyeballs like by a by a factory machine or something. And maybe that's at the end. But anyway, the first two are good. Uh, and then I th- think I saw the third one. Didn't Does, does not ring a bell. <laughs> I can't remember it. Um, and I think that's where I stopped. Um but it does hold the distinction of being one of the very few horror franchises that's been shepherded by the same the same guy. I can't remember his name. Um but basically he it's his baby. Like until this remake, he's kind of had creative control over the entire thing. So that's that's decades worth of movies. That's kind of impressive. <laughs>
And uh, besides uh, Child's Play 2019, we have a Criterion release from 1928 called uh, the, the Circus. That's uh, a Charlie Chaplin film. Um, Charlie Chaplin is one of those fellows that I have not seen that much of. Um, I've seen a fair amount of Buster Keaton, but not Charlie Chaplin. But Chaplin is definitely someone I'd very much like to catch up on at some point. Um, Anna on 4K from 2019. Um, I, I believe Luc Besson uh, directed this. Um, however, as far as I can tell, it just kind of came and went. Um, this movie had a hell of a trailer. And uh, the the lead actress in it, I don't even know her name, but I think she was a model before she was an actress. But the, the trailer for this movie is just an extended fight scene in a restaurant. And it stood out to me. Um, and Luc Besson's name carries quite a bit of weight. Um, this is something I might check out at like the Red Box or something. Beside that, we have uh, Yesterday on 4K, also from 2019. Um, this was directed by Danny Boyle. As far as I remember, uh, this is the movie where uh, there's there's a guy and everyone else in the world can't remember the Beatles. Uh, so he's a struggling musician who has all the Beatles songs committed to memory and re basically reissues them to the public and finds great success. It's kind of a whimsical concept for a movie. Um, unfortunately, I'm not a huge fan of the Beatles, um, and whimsical isn't usually a reason why I watch a lot of movies, so this isn't really in my wheelhouse, but I'm sure it's like a perfect movie. Or I feel like it would make a very good date movie. Um, beside that, though, we have a beautiful cover for a Criterion release from 1983 called Local Hero. Um, wow, I really like this cover. It's like a bunch of falling stars and a man standing next to a telephone booth, a bright red telephone booth uh, next to the water. Um, I'm just going to read the description here. Uh, an American oil company sends a man to Scotland to buy up an entire village where they want to build a refinery, but things don't go as expected. Um, sounds simple enough. Uh, I'm guessing it's going to be like kind of like not a Dances with Wolves situation, but that like Stranger in a Strange Land type type story where it's like oh you know jaded american guy goes to a tiny town in scotland and finds that's the most wonderful place he's ever been um holy shit another good cover <laughs> the vineyard uh from 1989 um <laughs> writer director starring james hong as in seinfeld for <laughs> as in lopan and this is an amazing cover uh I'm going to have to tell Kyle about this because uh, he wrote and directed and starred in this. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, check it out, folks. Uh, the Vineyard, 1989. Uh, James Hong. I'm going to have to remember that. Uh, we have a 20th anniversary edition of Sleepy Hollow. Uh, again, something Kyle might want to know about because I know he has an appreciation for that particular Tim Burton movie. Uh, Maleficent on 4K. Uh wasn't a huge fan of that movie. Uh, it's it's a very strange movie in a lot of ways. It's very layered. Um, I'm guessing the timing of this is meant to do do a little something to promote the sequel to Maleficent that I know is in production right now. I think a teaser came out very recently. Uh, another good cover, Beyond Evil, 1980. Uh, quite good cover. It's painterly. Um, but moving on down, uh, we got Major League Two from 1994. Uh, I like the Major League movies; they're fun, and I'm I'm not even a huge baseball fan. I just like those movies. Uh, Hellraiser, uh, an Arrow release. Uh, Hellraiser, Clive Barker's Hellraiser from 1987. Um, I think the documentary is called Leviathan Wakes. Um, it's funny. I I've only seen the first half. Uh, the documentary is supposed to cover. Uh, Hellraiser 1 and 2, and oh hey, wouldn't you know it, uh, the, the same day, uh, Hellraiser 2 Hellbound um, from 1988, also an Arrow release, uh, is also coming out. Um, yeah, the documentary Leviathan Wakes is supposed to cover both uh, Hellraiser 1 and 2. Uh, unfortunately, I've only seen half of it. Um, 
and a lot of the stuff I was more interested in hearing about concerned the second film. And for some reason, I could only find half the documentary. I'm actually going to check real quick to see if uh, the documentary is on either of these discs. Shit, they don't have the details listed just yet. But uh, I don't know that I'd want to own either of the any of the Hellraiser movies. Like, just like the, the Child's Play movies, I only really like the first two. Um, although the fourth one, I think, the one that takes place on the space station and in the past, that was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I only really like the first two. But moreover, I was just more interested in the uh, the documentary than the movies themselves. Uh, we also have a bunch of re-releases. Uh, Action Jackson, uh, starring Carl Weathers from 1988. I already own mine, but this is apparently a reprinting of it on Blu-ray. So that's cool. That's a movie more people ought to see. <laughs> um, another oh, Major League Back to the Miners. Uh, I think that's where we all stopped caring. Um, multiple crocodile movies. Uh, Killer Crocodile. Uh, 1989 to 1990 and oh an alternate cover for Killer Crocodile from 1989 um oh a Nick Cage release uh, a score to settle from 2019 so let's check the description for this uh, it's just him looking kind of haggard uh, they did some weird photoshopping on his face like his the way his eyes are settled in his face um like the positioning just doesn't look right <laughs> Um, the description reads, An ex-enforcer for a local crime syndicate has vowed to enact retribution on his mob bosses after 22 years of wrongful imprisonment. The only thing diverting his violent plans is a newfound relationship to his beloved son. Um, sounds pretty stock standard. Uh, I feel like this is going to end up being like a Taken or, a, or something along those lines. Just like direct-to-video schlock. Um, Benjamin Bratt's in there. That's unexpected. <laughs> so moving on, though, uh, we have In the Aftermath from 1988. Uh, this is an Arrow release. Uh, oh, fuck. Um, that's unexpected. Um, this is apparently an anthology of some sort, but uh, Mamoru Oshii is involved in the production... Um, I wish I knew more about this because uh, the screenshots feature some animated sequences that I'm guessing Oshi was involved in, and everyone else, uh, everyone else is not Japanese in the uh, in the directing in the directors list here. But uh, I'd be very curious to know what what exactly that is. Um, looks fascinating. Cover is beautiful. <laughs> we have a Dolph Lundgren movie, The Tracker from 2018. And is this a sequel to Inside Man? Inside Man colon Most Wanted from 2019. Um, you know, that, that Spike Lee movie, Inside Man, uh, with, with uh, Denzel and Clive Owen, that wasn't that bad. Um, <laughs> not something I would ever expect to get a sequel, but whatever. <coughs> uh, and it appears uh, Pavarotti. Uh, is this a documentary? I would imagine about the uh, the opera singer Luciano Pavarotti. Yes, it is. Uh, Twenty nineteen. I, you know, I'd, I'd kind of be curious to to watch that. Okay, the based on the cover of this, I need to know what this is. Uh, Madness in the Method, twenty nineteen. Um, Jason Mewes, attempting method acting in order to gain more respect for himself in Hollywood, slowly descends into madness. Uh, starring Jason Mewes, Kevin Smith, Gina Carano, <laughs> Vinnie Jones, and Danny Trejo. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> I mean, I know they're in the middle of a, of making a new uh, Jane Silent Bob movie, um, but I'm sorry, that is not how you promote that. <laughs> Uh, what else we got here? Um, you know, that Jason Mewes movie might be the last of it, because the rest of it's just anime and a uh, bunch of re-releases and direct-to-video schlock. Um, so yeah, I think I'm going to call it good 
uh, for September 2019. Um, so let's let's in in summary. Um, are there any movies in here that I'm actually going to put down money on? Uh, well, there's a few that I already have. Um, John Wick three I bought on the release day. Um, Lock up I considered. Um, X Men Dark Phoenix I rented, so I I don't think I'm ever going to own that. But you know, it it got a couple bucks out of me. Um, the initial D trilogy, I might check that out. Uh, I don't think I need to bother with the stand. Um, Anna, I think I will rent. So that's another couple bucks there. Uh, the Vineyard, uh, from uh, written and directed and starring James Hong. I I'm not sure if I'm gonna buy that. I might. Um, but I need to see that. I need to know what that is. Why why he picked that as as a movie he needed to both write, direct, and star in. Um I gots to know. <laughs> um that being said, um thank you for joining me. Um I'm, it's unfortunate that Kyle wasn't able to be here, but uh thank you for joining me as uh, we caught up on Blu-ray for the month of September in twenty nineteen. Um tune in next time where hopefully Kyle will be there and we can actually have a conversation. <laughs>